It's the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm joined here with my friend Robert Mays. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday ticket this season. If you live in an apartment or are an enrolled college student, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. Robert, game changer. That's me, man. I live in an apartment building where I only get this awful version of cable that wouldn't let me DVR the Chiefs-Patriots game last night. So I need this, and I'm very happy to get it. I don't know what I would do without Sunday Ticket. I mean, say there's like a Bears-Lions game when the Bears are 2-8. and eight. Why the hell would I want to watch that? I need to be able to watch whatever I want. Or the Bears ever. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Then not just when they're 2-8, and eight, when they're 0-0. <laughs> I mean, for me, I live in Los Angeles. I mean, the Rams have a team without their only good player right now, Aaron Donald. And so even if you were thinking, uh, I think this week is Scott Tolzien against Jared Goff. So Feel the I cannot sit there and watch the games that are delivered to me. And so this is a game changer. I'll be able to get it. Um, you know, I can watch any game I want. I can flip over to some competent quarterback play. I'm, I'm extremely excited about this development. It's a wonderful time. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, and joining me on this shocking Friday is my good friend Robert Mays. Robert, how are you processing what we saw in the opening night of the season? It's not hard to process at all. This is what I expected to happen. I figured that the Chiefs would look like the 98 Vikings. Alex Smith would come out just launching the ball all over the place, throw four touchdowns. They would be the new Super Bowl favorites, according to FBI on ESPN.com, and that the Patriots would look flawed in all of these different ways. This is exactly what I expected. Did you not? This is an important question. What shocked you more? Alex Smith, deep ball master, which he was last night, or Andy Reid having all three of his timeouts, both late in the second quarter and late in the fourth quarter. It was probably just the way the Chiefs offense looked. And I made a crack last night on Twitter that they were devised as if they were a high school team that had lesser talent. So you had to be weird as hell to succeed. And I didn't really mean that in a derisive way. I think people took it that way. Andy Reid makes that work. And last night you saw some of that. I mean, they did some weird shit. But when you add the downfield element, open up the throttle a little bit, have Alex Smith be willing to make some of those throws. And the Tyree kill one, if you can't make that one, you shouldn't be playing quarterback in the NFL. But there were a couple others that Chris Conley, one that got them deep into Patriots territory, the Kareem Hunt touchdown. There was a dime over the middle. He looked really good. And my pessimism about the Chiefs was why with the guys they have in house, because they didn't bring in anybody else. Is this team going to be better than they were last year? And if you have that creative element from Reed and you have them willing to open up throttle a little bit and push it, maybe they can be a team that sticks around to the end of the AFC playoffs. So. First of all, my pessimism about the Chiefs. And let's get in the offense real quick. So Matt Nagy is their play caller now. I talked to him during the during training camp and we talked about RPOs. We talked about spreading the field out. I mean, I knew they were going to have this sort of creativity, but what I didn't anticipate, and maybe I should have, is that they had the weapons to really make this go. And, and, and I, you know, Ty Hill, we know he's the fastest player in the NFL. Uh, guys like Chris Conley were obviously stepping up last night. I mean, I guess we didn't understand how good Hunt was going to be, but, but he now was we so do. Good, pes- man. Jesus, he was good. I, I, there was no even the best version of him I could have imagined would not have been the guy I saw last night. The balance was just unbelievable. The fact that he looked like Marshawn Lynch when, like in his heyday, when he can get hit in the thigh and just like get onto one foot and not go down, he was really impressive. My pessimism about the Chiefs in general was that they fired their GM, who I think is one of the best GMs in the league. And by <laughs> the way, the, the meme going around this morning was, you know, Kareem Hunt was the was the parting gift from John Dorsey. John Dorsey said, oh, you're going to fire me. By the way, here's an awesome running back. There you go. And here's the awesome roster that I built you. Other than that, I'm going to go get fired now. Thanks. So. I, you know, my, that, 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 that was my pessimism. You know, you, there was a little bit of subtraction. You lose Jeremy Macklin. That's not good. And maybe, maybe those two things are tied together as far as firing Dorsey and, and being capped out to the point you had to lose Macklin. But I mean, 
the, the tragedy of this team and there were Chiefs fans who were coming at us last night, um, which is is completely deserved because we really shorted the Chiefs. The tragedy is that Eric Berry now has the Achilles injury and we're never going to see this team in its perfected form over over the course of the season. Because this team, the thing we saw last night, and let's not overreact to one game, but the team we saw last night was fun as hell. And I'm really disappointed just as a, an observer that we're not going to be able to see that Chiefs defense uh, w- with Eric Berry for the season. I totally agree. And I think that one of the reasons they were able to do what they did last night is that Eric Berry just stuck with Gronk and they don't have that element anymore. And that's huge. I mean, he's one of the few players in the league that could give Gronk problems. So again, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but way down the line, if these two teams were to play against each other again, that changes this matchup. But let's, I want to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs because they deserve it. But let's talk about the Patriots and their deficiencies for a second. First of all, Brady was not that good last night. I mean, it was not a good Brady game. I, I felt like he missed some throws, starting from that first one to Dwayne Allen, and then going on, he had some overthrows, a couple nice ones, a couple good deep balls to Cooks, yeah. but I still think sure. we didn't see a very good version of Brady last night. The other thing is, on defense... Cooks is open, uh, Cook's open all the time, by the way. Yeah, and I think that there were a couple balls in the intermediate areas of the field that I thought he could have come down with. He had a nice comeback on the first drive, but right now he's a deep threat and that's fine. He had a couple pass interference penalties. He gives them something. And with Hogan, I love the think, creativity uh, with the Patriots offense. Do you, the fact that they can line up everybody yeah. everywhere, it's going to be cool. Robert, do you think that Cooks would have been better getting paired in the offseason with more of a deep ball specialist like Alex Smith? That was kind of one of the things that I was not worried about, but I wanted to see. I, I didn't realize your joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so, I thought you were asking me an actual question. <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely would be better suited for the Chiefs offense, which well, welcome to the NFL show where everyone gets the jokes 45 seconds after they're made. <laughs> That's what we're doing here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think of deep ball specialists in the NFL and deep ball schemes, I pretty much think of the Panthers, the Cardinals and the Chiefs. So you would want Brandon Cooks mm-hmm. in an offense like that. But on defense for New England. We talked about the edge rushers and them being non-existent, and they were last night. And even in that scheme where it's not built on, you know, pinning years back and getting after people, they got zero pressure whatsoever. And that's going to be a problem against really good passing teams with the Chiefs, which the Chiefs are not necessarily. Two. By the way, the Chiefs, yeah. real, real quick, the Chiefs have won seven straight road games. And in that winning streak, four of those teams have been in the last two Super Bowls, Carolina, Denver, Atlanta, New England. They're a good team, man. They're I just, good. They're the good. elements that we needed last night for them that were there. The, the, some of the questions that we had, can they open up the offense? Is Justin Houston healthy? The answer to that looks like yes. I mean, he had two sacks. He yeah. played well. Two sacks where he just roasted Marcus Cannon one-on-one. It wasn't like they were unblocked. This is just free to have me tap Brady down. He beat him up, and Cannon's a good player. So that kind of stuff is nice. Also, Terrence Mitchell played really well. That second corner yep. spot was one of the things I was worried about with them. And Mitchell came in and played well. I don't know how Gaines is going to hold up in the slot all season, but they had some things fall into place that needed to for them. Yeah, it was great. Um, so do you want to talk about the Patriots more? Or do you want to move on? Let's move on. No, that we, we had, we talked about the Patriots okay. for an hour, but there's some other games this weekend. It's week one. <laughs> okay. So, to set this up, we're going to be coming to you on Fridays and Tuesdays all season long. On Fridays, we'll, we'll be setting up everything you need to know and looking forward to Sunday and Monday. And on Tuesdays, we'll be looking back at the weekend's games. We'll have Danny Kelly joining us a little later to geek out on some things. That's going to be a, a recurring series. It's He'll going to be, be here all the time, baby. Uh, it's going to be nice to have DK back. I'm excited about it. We're just going to get so nerdy with DK later. It's going and to be we, great. And we're going to do that all season long. We but for were now, going back we're and forth last going. night during the game about something just like totally minutia, and it was so fun. I, I miss just being able to it, be it, a loser with Danny. It, it, it. You know, I, I actually liked. I, I was tweeting from the Ringer account yesterday, and I saw the tweet where you said, "I, I missed us," and you were talking to Danny. I missed us being losers on Twitter together. And I yeah. wanted to retweet that, but I, I was on the Ringer account. I didn't know the corporate policy on retweeting you calling it yourself and Danny a loser. <laughs> I think it's okay. I think everyone at the ringer would agree with that. So we're good. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. But first thing, we're going to get to something we're going to call favorite four. And these are our top four matchups for the weekend. Robert, why don't you start out with your first one? 
I mean, I think this is an easy one. The Packers Seahawks is a ridiculously yep. good non primetime game for week yep. one. We chatted yep. about this a lot. Uh, I mean, for a couple different reasons. We don't see contenders go at it in a three o'clock game week one very often. We get to right now. And I also think that these are good matchups to learn some stuff about what we want to see from these teams. The Seattle offensive line is a problem. One of my concerns about the Green Bay defense is can they get pressure? If they can against this team, they're in trouble. Can the Green Bay offensive line, which has some new pieces, hold up against what might be the best defensive line in the league? A really good question. I just think it's a very good mirror on each side to learn about some of the new elements of both of these guys. I picked the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl. And one of the reasons is because I just think that defense is so stacked. And so just as a football nerd, I'm excited to see what that defense looks like. Sheldon Richardson being worked in so quickly as a three technique. And he's going against the best quarterback in the NFL. Like, yes, please. And so, like, you know, this is the runaway favorite for for best matchup of the weekend. These are the two, by quarterback rating, the two best quarterbacks in NFL history who have thrown a thousand attempts. Yeah, that's really fun. I understand that this is a different era and passing is a little bit easier. But, I mean, the two best quarterback ratings in the history of the NFL going against each other in a a non-primetime game in week one. Then you throw in Earl Thomas. You know, we talked about I don't want to get back into how valuable he is. We talked about him on the last show. But, I mean, Earl Thomas healthy against Aaron Rodgers. This was the game where, where Thomas got hurt last year. And so we didn't get to see that. I mean, this is an awesome, awesome game. Any early predictions? I think that, God, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think that Green Bay wins at home, but it's a really close game. Sure. So that even that doesn't say anything bad about the Seahawks. I'm not degrading them in any way. I just think that at home, Green Bay is good enough. The one thing I throw out to watch in this one, this is the first game since 2011, first time, since the Packers will go into a mm-hmm. season without Josh Sitton or TJ Lang as their starting guards. This is a big turnover thing. And against Sheldon Richardson, against Michael Bennett, there's a chance that those two guys just wreck this game. And that's going to tell us a lot about where the Packers are weak going forward. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, but, you know, again, one of the interesting things you pointed out was that the Seahawks offensive line was trash and, and, you know, the Packers getting pressure is a big question. So I don't know, you know, Mike Daniels is one of the best players in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see that, 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 that matchup, but I don't know if this is going to be the, the Seahawks test. I mean, it, it's really going to come down later in the season as far as can that offensive line just be competent to the point. But on the other hand, I mean, this is going to be a, probably a, a matchup of the NFC title team. So what do we know? Yeah. And I mean, if they can't be competent against this team, then we know they have a problem. Yeah, my matchup, obviously Packers Seahawks can be the best matchup of the weekend. Raiders Titans, though, just from an intriguing future of the sport perspective. I Such love a good this one. game. Yeah, I'm really Derek looking forward Carr, to it. But here's the thing. It's not just the quarterbacks, but no. let's start with the quarterbacks. Derek Carr versus Marcus Mariota. Carr did last year what Mariota should do this year, which is mm-hmm. take a average team and make them not only playoff contenders, but in the, in the fringe of the conversation of the Super Bowl. I think they have the team for it. And, and I can't wait to see, you know, a couple things. Number one is the Raiders pass defense going to be competent. Okay. We're going to find out really quickly because that Titans offense is really good. I mean, generally the, the, the Raiders defense didn't do, you know, the, you, you take Conley, but he hasn't been healthy the entire uh, off season. I mean, I, I, I'm not totally confident that they're, they're going to be significantly better and they're going to get a huge test. On the other hand, I mean, the Titans, I just, I, I can't wait to see them play. This is a big game for them. And I can't wait to see them play a big game because we have not yet seen Mariota play a big game in, in the NFL. I'm, I'm just really excited to see both these guys in this element. I really am looking forward to what the Titans are going to do with their new pieces. How different are the Titans going to look in the ways that we expect them to be, right? So with all those new receivers, even if Decker isn't going to play, which it seems like it, you assume maybe they'll throw them out there more. Maybe we'll see less heavier sets. If they open it up a little bit, what does it look like? Interestingly enough, they were second in the league in yards per carry last year with three or four receivers on the field. So their running game goes when they spread it out a little bit. So I'm really curious if the new receivers will actually allow them to do what they want to do better. Those are the type of things you look for in week one. How are these teams going to be different? You know, on the other side of the ball, this is a really good test for Logan Ryan, for Cyprian, just that secondary going against this sort of passing attack 
with these sort of receivers, we're going to find out a lot. Can they hold up against one of the best duos in the entire league? It's a fun just measuring stick for that kind of thing. And guess what, man? Marshawn Lynch is back. I'm very excited to watch Marshawn Lynch play. Yeah. So one thing I do want to say about the quarterbacks, which is pretty important, is that neither of these guys finish the season healthy. Yeah. And so there is that element of it, which is I think they both actually broke their leg. I mean, what are these guys just going to look like in a regular season game? Because, you know, again, we both are not overly concerned with broken legs because it's not an ACL. It's not a you know a torn labrum. It's not an Andrew Luck situation where, where it's a shoulder. Um, so I, I'm I'm. I'm confident these guys will get there, but there might be a little bit of hesitation in both of their games uh, starting out the season just because, you know, when when you when you don't know how the leg is going to react, you, you do have a slight hesitation. So I'm intrigued to see the injury stuff. Marshawn Lynch. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit I'm I don't want to short Marshawn Lynch in the same way. You know, I don't want to short Tom Brady because I've just seen him do amazing things too many times when I thought he was done. But I am not expecting a whole lot out of Marshawn Lynch this year. Oh, I don't think he's going to be that good, but I'm just excited that he's back in my life. I, mean, I enjoy I watching think, Marshawn I think Lynch I, play football. I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember who said it. And I'm sorry, but uh, there was a, there was a fantasy expert who tweeted a couple of weeks ago. He was saying, you know, Lynch was being way overdrafted in all these leagues. And he said, coolness is not a fantasy stat, which I think <laughs> is, is a good way true. to sum up. Uh, that's perfect. <laughs> One thing that- I think that's a good way to sum up the Marshawn Lynch experiment. One thing to keep in mind, these two teams played last year, and it was a bizarre kind of game when you consider what they're good and bad at. It was a 17-10 finish, and the Titans only ran the ball 26 times, even though they averaged 6.1 yards per carry. So I would assume that they'll just sit there and try to run people over. So this like high-flying offense that we might see from Tennessee with all these new receivers, we might have to wait one more week if they do what they should do. Yeah. All right, what's your next matchup? I mean, Giants Cowboys is pretty easy, right? I mean, this is a team, two teams that went to the uh, playoffs last year. You know, we'll see what happens with Dallas. Zeke Elliott will play in this game. You know, that's which in a weird way isn't going to tell us what we want to know. What does this offense look like without him? So that that's a yep. curious kind of wrench into all of this. So I wrote when I did the Cowboys um, preview in my power rankings, I talked about how advantageous Dak's situations were. You know, we know the players, but the numbers are kind of fascinating. They only faced 75 plays of third and eight or more last season. Second lowest in the league. 30 Mm -hmm. of them came against the Giants. 30. That's 40% of those plays in two games. Prescott was 7 of 17, 4.1 yards per attempt on those plays. The Giants can slow down the Cowboys in a way that no other defense has been able to in the last year. So can the Giants defense be that team again? So I'm intrigued by this because it's it's there's a deep weirdness to it in the sense that the Giants may be without Odell Beckham and certainly not 100 yep. percent Odell Beckham, no matter what happens. And the Cowboys will have Ezekiel Elliott, which they may not starting in week two. OK, yeah. so the, these teams are not going to be in. in yeah, it's a, it's a lot of that. OK, but I think what's interesting, you know, Sage Rosenfeld's made a very interesting point towards the end of last season. And I mentioned this today in my looking ahead column about Dak Prescott struggling with the most complex off defenses in the NFL. Now that's just going to happen for a young quarterback. You know, sometimes when, when NFL coordinators throw the kitchen sink at you, there's going to be struggles. Dak will get the hang of it. But the two teams that Dak struggled the most against last year were Minnesota and, and, and New York. And what they did, the commonality between those defenses is they dropped linemen back in coverage and they just gave them looks that maybe you're not going to see in the SEC. I know everyone likes to talk about you know how the SEC prepares guys for, for the NFL. Great, but they're not dropping linemen like 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 Mike Zimmer is and like Steve Spagnuolo is. And so it's going to be interesting to me to see the progression Dak took as far as being able to, to to look at those looks and and diagnose them and make the plays. Because like you said, they were in three, third and eight far too many times last year. And so I'm intrigued to see just the, the step Dak took as far as reading defenses on Sunday night. Yeah, totally. But the thing is, we're going to see him without Zeke doing that same thing for six games this season. So again, it's weirdly yep. not going to be something we want to find out because one of the main questions about Dallas, right, was... What is that going to look like without Zeke? And we won't know that before this week is over. And the other thing is, what will the Giants receiving core look like now with all of those pieces? Well, if Odell Beckham's not Odell Beckham, we don't find that out either. One bit of nerdery before we move on here. Damon Harrison versus Travis, Travis Frederick is line play porn. And oh, it is wow. the truth. And I'm very excited about watching it. So if you care about those can't, things, I'm sure you don't. Check it out. Def- I certainly don't. Okay, <laughs> next game, don't. Robert. 
Saints Vikings is one you threw out there, man. I mean, I agree with you. I'm curious as to what you think or as oh. to why you think it, this yeah. is one of the four. Well, we talked yesterday and I brought this up and, and we both talked about how buzzy this game is. There, there's there's two main things I look at when I think about Saints Vikings. Number one is obviously the Adrian Peterson revenge angle. There was so much hype about him in OTAs and Adrian Peterson is such a hype and OTAs type of guy. What I mean by that is he looks great. He's <laughs> so going to be in shape. That's so right. You no, know, you know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> I mean, like, totally he's do. Gonna, he's going to be in shape. Correct. Like, like he's going to have, he's going to look great without the, without the pads on. He's going to, you know, at least be able to cut and all that. Not a lot of buzz about him in training camp. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah. And, and it's the same reason they took him so long to get a contract and it took him, you know, a couple of visits and smart teams were visiting with him and he left without a contract. Okay. I don't know if there's a, a lot left in the tank there, but I do think there's going to be enough kind of FU runs. All you need, Adrian Peterson, like this is all leading towards Adrian Peterson getting like 12 yards on a carry and then staring down Mike Zimmer. Like that's that's the only reason that's the only reason to, to have this game on Monday night, right? Yeah. Also, I mean, this is uh, a really, really good offense against what should be a really, really well, no, good defense. Well, no, no, I was going to get, I, I, yeah, th- th- that's that's the actual reason I was going to get to that. That was my second thing in here. Both of these teams in in weird, if everything breaks right, worlds could be NFC championships type contenders. And what I mean by that is, first of all, the Vikings were the last team to lose a game last year and everyone has moved on from it because their, their line was so bad. They made some small improvements. I don't think there'll be enough, but if some miracles performed and we see an amazing offensive line, then then we have to start talking about the NFC North race. Okay. The second part I don't even of that need amazing. I just Saints. need professional. That's all I need. That's the bar I need them to clear because <laughs> they didn't last year. Right. And then the other thing is, I mean, the Saints are, are again, Drew Brees is going to throw for 5,000 yards. Obviously, the Willie Sneed suspension throws a wrench in it, but he will find somebody else. And at, some, at what point does Drew Brees just start signing like guys off Bourbon Street? Has that just already happened? Throwing, Isn't throw, that what Kobe Fleener is? And then, and then, and then, turn, and then turning them into 1,200 yard guys. Um, so, but no, so with the Saints, all they need, again, all they need is some marginal improvement on defense. And we're talking about the NFC South race. And so these are two of what I would describe as the sort of the X factor teams in the NFL, where they have some dominant, dominant pieces, some dominant skill groups, um, elite positions, but, but they have a fatal flaw. And, and I think that if I were to guess just by probability, one of them is going to show up on Monday night. We're going to on Tuesday, start talking about one of these teams as, as deep, deep playoff contenders. And I, I I'm intrigued to see who that is. I think that the Vikings offense has a smaller margin to make up than the saints defense does. That's why I think that sure. I would put my money on the Vikings, but you're right. I mean, that's exactly sure. what it is. Can one of these units that we're pessimistic about come out and play better than we thought and really validate what this team is overall. Yeah, and and we talked about the Saints a couple weeks ago when we were talking about whether or not like how many teams could win the Super Bowl. Oddly enough, we kept the Chiefs. We both kept the Chiefs off of our list of teams that could win the Super Bowl, even though I we I named eighteen teams and I did not include the Chiefs. I was I was wrong, by the way. Um, but with the Saints, you know, they just have a bunch of young guys. All it takes is two or three guys to make the leap, and we're talking about a very different defensive team. All right, buddy. All right, so we're gonna have some Friday features. You will do one. I will do one. The one thing I'm going to do every Friday, and it's right up my alley. <laughs> it so is. <laughs> it's a hot take that I actually kind of believe. And and, and what we're going to do here is, look, I, I, I do not like hot takes. I do not like hot take culture, but I do like throwing out things that we start need to start thinking about in a way that I think is, is needs to be informed and not just totally baseless. Like, you know, the difference between a hot take and just a strong opinion is that hot takes are uninformed. And, and, and I don't like to do that because I think that it's good to talk to coaches. It's good to talk to GMs. It's good to talk to scouts or, or agents or players and sort of get a feeling for where the sport is going and then, and then throw it out that way. And so for me, my first hot take that I actually kind of believe is that Aaron Donald, one of the best players in the NFL, needs to either hold out for a long time or maybe even skip the season for the sake of the future of NFL contracts. What I mean by that is, you know, first of all, the, the Rams are going to be bad no matter what. 
if Aaron Donald wants to come back for, for the love of the game or because he loves the sport, I understand that. And I, and I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't criticize him for that. If, if, if he can't come to an agreement on a, on a great contract and he wants to come back, I'm not going to criticize him for it. Having said that superstars in the NFL are vastly, vastly underpaid. And I think he needs to make a statement. There's two ways to go about that. Either show up, play out your contract, force your way to free agency and get, you know, significantly more money than Dominic and Sue got or do what Sean Gilbert did 20 years ago and, and just skip the season and almost reset the market. We, we talk so much about resetting the market and it almost never happens. It almost never happens. Oh, uh, well, you know, every time a quarterback, Oh, Matt Stafford reset the market. No, he didn't. He just got incrementally more than Derek Carr and, and Andrew Luck. Aaron Donald has a chance. The salary cap has been rising $10 million a year for what the last six years. And I think it's time that a player said, you know what, I'm going to get a get a contract tied into the salary cap or I'm going to get, uh, you know, more money than any. I'm going to get quarterback money but at a non quarterback position. I think Aaron Donald is a test case. And I think that, it, you know, whatever he wants to do is fine. I, I, I'm not going to get involved in his finances, but I think it would be a very, very interesting development for the future of the league if he decides to take the stand because he's already going to miss week one. I think the last thing I saw was he was he was home in Atlanta. He's not even he's not even in Los Angeles right now. And so I just I I could see this changing the paradigm because it is it is clear he's not going to take a contract below what he believes he's worth. So Aaron Donald is the 428th highest paid player in the NFL. So let's just take out yep. quarterbacks. Let's say 400 among non quarterbacks. Would you where would Aaron Donald rank in what he would earn on the open market? We've had this conversation. Top five. Oh, sure. I mean, it so, would be him. It would be him. It would be Von Miller. It would be eventually Mack, Cole a healthy Mack. Watt. I mean, those are the guys, you know, a like healthy Watt. And then and then if you wanted to or Earl Thomas or some sure. of the Seattle guys, maybe one secondary player. I, I totally agree with sure. you. And, and this is not one of those situations where a guy's holding out because, well, the he, he, he this is, you know, the common refrain. Well, he signed the contract. You know, it's like. They, 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 who cared that the market changed? Aaron Donald didn't choose this. Aaron Donald got this deal because this is what the rookie salary scale says. Aaron Donald and, was not in the room with Robert Kraft and D. Smith in 2011 and Jeff no, Saturday. No. He wasn't there. I've said this on more than one occasion. I think he deserves Von Miller, Khalil Mack money because he impacts the game that much. And for him to be making this, I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I totally agree with you. And I think with where the Rams are, stand, that's why it makes sense. Take your stand. All right, Robert, for your feature, there are so many things we look forward to each weekend. We've hit already some of the biggest matchups and storylines, but what are we missing? That's what we're going to be doing with you. What are we missing as we look forward to week one? I mean, this is my chance to just get real digging down and real nerdy, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Every week, every year in week one, I think the element that I'm most interested in, the thing I'm looking for the most is how are these teams with scheme changes going to look when the games matter for the first time? We've seen inklings of it in the preseason, but that never matters. I mean, that's just one sign. Teams don't roll out everything they're going to do. So the teams I'm going to be watching just to see what is it actually going to look like? What is the scheme going to look like? How do they approach it? Teams like the Chargers with Anthony Lynn coming in there. How is that going to affect Melvin Gordon? What is Kyle Shanahan's offense going to look like in San Francisco? You know, Is Pierre Garçon going to be this target monster for them? How does Carlos Hyde look? Their defense. What are those first round highly drafted defensive linemen going to look like now that they're shifting position and role a little bit? Is it going to hurt some? Is it going to help others? What's Atlanta going to look like with Sarkeesian? The offense probably from a construction standpoint will be similar, but will it have the rhythm? Is it going to be as potent or is it going to be something close to that? With the Rams, we have no Aaron Donald, but we still have a Wade Phillips coordinated defense that has some talent on it. How good can they be based on scheme? What is Jared Goff going to look like with Sean McVay? Is it going to matter? These are the things I'm most excited about watching outside of those big name games because this is the where the trajectory of franchises changes. Can you get something out of younger guys that other coaches couldn't? And I think it's going to be fun. I mean, what is Philip Rivers going to look like in this offense? Is it going to help him that there's a little bit less of a load? I don't know the answers to any of these questions, and that's why week one is cool to me. I'm going to go ahead and not watch the Rams. That's fine with that's fine with me. You do you, buddy. I respect that. Hey, well, do you, I, I think that just a cam of Aaron Donald just in his living room with his friends watching the game would be more interesting to me. Than, He's not going to watch the game. He's going to be lifting. <laughs> He's going to be in the weight room. 
He's going to do like, I read the story about Cam Newton playing all those like football pickup games and parks and stuff. He's just going to go and just beat every single flag football guard there is. Or he's going to be playing ping pong. He might be better at ping pong than he is at Florida. So or than he is at football. I don't know why yeah. he's in Florida. <laughs> hey, I'm from Florida. It's interchangeable. Florida is football. Go. Okay. Our next segment, we're going to nerd out with our friend, Danny Kelly. 20 years is a long time, and for over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, which is the only way to get every game live every Sunday. Now there's more good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment like me or an enrolled college student, now you can get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RING at checkout to save 15%. Again, that's sundayticket.tv, promo code RINGER. All right, we're going to welcome in our good friend, the Ringer's own Danny Kelly. Danny, it's time to geek out. (laughs) You're going to fill us in on some things that no one else wants to see, we should be paying attention to. Hit us. Hit us with something extremely nerdy, Danny. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the Redskins Eagles game first. Um, Maze, I know you're gonna love this because yeah, man, I, it was I had it circled. You're one of the you're one of the biggest Eagles defensive wait, line you fan had, boys wait, 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 out wait, there. Maze, you, Maze, you, you, where do you circle your games? Do you have a big schedule in your apartment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually I have a chalkboard in my hallway to write like notes down, and then it's next to the chalkboard. It's just it's a huge thing. It takes up most of my wall. Just huge circles of games you love. I like yep, it. All right, Danny, keep going. In, in red marker for sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, the um, so Vinny Curry, Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, plus they got Chris Long and Derek Barnett this offseason. I mean, that is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And I don't think people talk about it as, as much as it deserves. You know, it doesn't get as much recognition as it deserves. So I'm going to be watching that a lot this week. I think it's a good matchup, too, because uh, Washington has a very good offensive line as well. Um, and I looked it up last year. Cousins, Kirk Cousins averaged 2.8 seconds um, in time to throw. That's a new stat that the NFL, uh, the next gen stats guys keep keep track of. And so that's one of actually the slowest releases of, of any quarterbacks in the NFL. So. I mean, if if the Eagles can get pressure, it could be a long day for Cousins. So I'm going to be looking at that, especially because the the Eagles secondary is kind of inexperienced. They, they've thrown to some guys together. Last year, they were one of the worst groups in the league. They still have a couple of good safeties, but the, the cornerback spot is very up in the air. So I, I'm going to be looking at how quickly the Eagles can get pressure because that's going to be, I think, the huge key to that game. It's going to be a huge key to their season. I mean, even yeah, with... yeah. Ronald Darby there, which I thought was a very good trade for them. The other best case scenario is that some of those younger corners come along. Rasul Douglas. I mean, obviously, who's the Washington kid, Danny? Sidney Jones. Yes. I mean, he's not he's not going to be ready. But if Douglas can get there, they want him to be better than Jalen Mills. I love the Darby trade. I think that's huge for them. But I do think it's really important for that defensive line to just dominate games. It's the best group to me. I know that yeah. Seattle's front four and the guys starting are better, but with Long and with Barnett back there, I just think top to bottom, it's I don't know if it's better than Seattle's. I'm, I'm trying to convince myself, but it's really it's close good. enough that it's close it's, enough that it's actually a conversation. Exactly, because they got six guys, and I'm really curious about what Jernigan's going to look like in those one on ones. Now oh, that they have to slide to Cox, and that's what where see, where the Philly faltered last year. It's because Benny Logan couldn't take advantage of that. Jernigan can't. He has that ability, and I feel like he's something that could really unlock that entire group when you don't even consider Barnett and Long. Yeah, so the wide nine, that, that's a big deal in, in Philly. You know, those guys rush from wide, and so... I think interior pressure is just going to be big for them because that way you can't just you can't just have those guys run past the pocket and step up now. Um, it's kind of the same deal in Seattle too. Actually, speaking of the Seahawks with with Sheldon Richardson, I think he's the kind of the same element there. But I mean, if they can get interior pressure from you know both Cox and Jernigan, like how, where where is the quarterback going to go in that facing that defense? What do you think about the receivers, Danny? I mean, I think that's the other element of this <clears throat> on both sides with Philly. You know, right. you have a whole new stable of weapons. With Washington, the question is, can these guys replicate what Jackson and Garcon were? Because that's what we saw from Cousins for the last couple of years. He has such a good situation right. that it's hard to judge him. So now is the situation going to be worse enough? And is it going to take enough of a step back where we find out a little bit more about him? 
I mean, yeah, and I, I, we talked about this a couple months ago, how I think that that Cousins could possibly have a pretty big regression this year. And I think it, it's not necessarily even like his fault completely. They're going to be going in with, you know, a bunch of new guys. Essentially, Docton is going to be in there, Terrell Pryor in there. And it looked like in the preseason they weren't quite on the same page. Um, they don't have the same type of, you know, field stretching deep threat as Deshaun Jackson. There's just not very many of those guys in the NFL. <laughs> There's like so, one. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson yeah. is Deshaun Jackson. Right, exactly. He's like he's a singular like style player. So, I mean, I don't know. It's going to be very different. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that they could do to, you know, they've got a lot of talent still. So I think they could still be a very good passing offense. And and like I said, they have a good offensive line and that helps a ton. But yeah, it's it's just going to be a completely different look for them. I am not as high on the Eagles, by the way, in general, as as you guys are. I just think that I mean, the wide receivers in in Philly for me, they're an upgrade. But I mean, it, it, you know, it's only because there was no way to go but up last year. I mean, it was it, they had some of the worst skill position players I've ever seen last year, especially on the outside. I mean, Al Galore was just a complete waste of space. Um, I mean, so I I'm intrigued to see Wentz in that situation. I wrote a column today about which of the the sort of 90s generation of quarterbacks will have the best career. And, and what that that group, you know, it's literally the guys who were born in the 90s. That's Dak Prescott. That's Derek Carr, Mariota, Winston and Wentz. And I think the best argument for Wentz at this point is that he was just put in a really crappy situation in the, in the back half last year. He didn't have Lane Johnson for 10 games. And then he just had some of the, again, some of the worst receivers I've ever seen on an NFL field um, put together as a group. <laughs> and so the best argument for him is that he was just, you know, he, he didn't have the situations that those other guys had. They, they weren't building a juggernaut around him. And so I'm intrigued to see that team with good wide receivers with an okay offensive line. I mean, I, I'm, I want to see Wentz, play really, really well on Sunday. And that, that that's what's intriguing me about that matchup. For me, it's a, Jeffrey's health is so important. I mean, if he's healthy, he's a huge upgrade. But the other spot, I agree, is still a question. I mean, Torrey Smith is, I don't know what he is at this point. He's better than the guys they had last year, probably. But I think that Jeffrey represents the biggest change. If he's right, he's right up there, man. I mean, he's an effective, terrifying threat when he can actually play. Do we think that Matt Collins yep. is going to be a breakout player this year still? I know that we were talking about it in kind of the first preseason game. He was looking really good. He, he's somebody that position takes longer than we give it credit for, especially when you're not getting all yeah, the reps. Yeah. You know, so I just feel like even if he shows some flashes, but that's what they did. You know, they threw a ton of resources at it. It doesn't necessarily have to be first round picks. If you take some roles there because you need help in those spots, even if he gives you, you know, t- 10 snaps a game, a couple targets, maybe he breaks something. They just didn't have that last year. There weren't even the chances of that kind of stuff happening. Yeah. All right, Danny, let's quickly get to your second nerd out of the week. All right. So the other game I got kind of circled in my mind is the Chargers Broncos. And I'm particularly excited to see what happens with the Chargers run game this year. I mean, Anthony Lynn, he, he's a former running back. He came up as a running backs coach. He basically got an, a head coach job because he did such an amazing job with the Bills run game last year. I mean, they were dominant on the run game. Um, and so I'm really wondering what stamp he puts on on the Chargers run game. Obviously, you know, they're sticking with the same offensive coordinator, but I think that Lynn's going to he's going to bring the the run game with him a little bit. And they've got a couple of good running backs there. Melvin Gordon, Brandon Oliver. I think those are that's going to be a good one two punch. And my question is, like, how exotic are they going to get with that stuff? Because, you know, they don't have the quarterback run style stuff that they had last year with Tyrod Taylor in, in Buffalo. But are they going to do some of the unbalanced line stuff? You know, how how exotic are they going to get? That's going to be the one thing I'm going to be looking for in, in that Monday night game. That was the biggest thing with Buffalo last year is that they could do that and overcome what was not a super talented offensive line. That was the most impressive thing. I think in San Diego, that's maybe the key to their success. How much can they mitigate yeah. the talent of their individual offensive linemen with scheme? And you're right, with Rivers, it changes. Because that running option and the ability to hold the linemen with your quarterback changes the numbers. We talk about that all the time. Seattle used to do it constantly. So mm-hmm. that's a big question. Will it look the same? Can they get the same efficiency? I mentioned it earlier, Danny. I'm fascinated by it. It'll be one of the things I'm looking at. Yeah, hey, I, mean, guys, I, just, I don't know what to expect at all. It's it's one of those things where you kind of go into the season. I mean, and we don't, you can't learn a ton from week one necessarily, but I mean, I'm still like, I don't really have any idea of what to expect. All right, so here's my question. How low is the bar for people to think maybe Brock Osweiler should play quarterback in Denver? Because the thing is, it's an intriguing situation because Trevor Simeon 
is just like not that good, but we know that Brock Osweiler is worse. But I feel like you know if it's if it's two picks, are people going to start calling for Brock freaking Ox Osweiler? I mean, he's had success in Denver. It's it's the least sexy quarterback competition I can remember in years. <laughs> no one cares. It's, no one cares who wins. No one's invested in any of the options. It's so true. And it also kind of just doesn't matter because the only way the Broncos are going to win is if if Von Miller like has three strip sacks a game. Yeah, yeah. God, it's really fa- it's kind of terrifying and kind of sad how quickly Paxton Lynch has become a, fir- a first round pick they traded up for to should Brock Osweiler be the starting quarterback. <laughs> oh, Mahomes is like an afterthought. I'm excuse me, Mahomes. Um, uh, Lynch Mahomes is like an afterthought, an afterthought now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. No, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking. Night. I was about to bring up Mahomes because they also traded up for, the, and then I just instead just accidentally called Paxton Lynch Mahomes. There you go. He's Classic. on your mind. You just saw how much his career I'm was still, going down the tank yesterday. I'm still I'm still in the preseason. Yeah. May I called for Alex Smith to get traded to Jacksonville so that Jacksonville can compete this year. Maybe they should just trade Mahomes. There you go. I've seen enough from Alex Smith. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Okay. <laughs> Danny, thank you for joining us. Coming up, one of our fellow ringer staffers is already calling for a quarterback change for his team. <laughs> That's a good way to start the season. We're also going to be talking about some of the storylines we think will be big after week one is over. But before that, let's hear from a couple of our sponsors. Before we move on, we've all been waiting for this since February 6th. Now football season is here. Robert, there's no better way to get closer to the game you love than with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. That's true, man. And now DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest this Sunday that is totally free to enter. And if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That's a B, Kevin. That's more than most teams sell for. I need to start playing fantasy football, I think. Yeah, and with DraftKings, there's so many ways for you to play. You can do public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. Kevin, we're friends, right? We can play against each other. Buddy, we're best friends if I can win a billion dollars. DraftKings also has a beginner and casual contest where you'll play against people of similar skill level, which would work for me, as you know. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. Guy goes down for the season. It doesn't matter on DraftKings. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code RINGER to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. Forget injury. What if you didn't know that Alex Smith was the best quarterback in the NFL? Like we it wouldn't matter because you, you know, get a whole just, new lineup the next week. You would just restart. If you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. That's promo code ringer to play for your shot to win $1 billion this Sunday. The contest is totally free to enter. And why wouldn't you try DraftKings, the game inside the game, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We also want to remind you that if it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. Every throw, every catch, every two-minute drill, every fourth and inches, I can replay the game from every angle with NFL Game Pass, which I did this morning, Kevin, for the Chiefs-Patriots game. Went back, cruised right through it. That's an exciting game to be able to relive and actually watch competent plays because I think you'll be watching every Bears loss this season over and over again. Yeah, that's what I use it for is to punish myself. And that's really its best purpose. That's what Game Pass really does for me. Anyway, whatever you want to use it for, NFL Game Pass is there for you. You got full game replays, condensed games. You can watch the all 22, which is very important to me. And really, you can watch every single game in 45 minutes or less. So basically what you're telling me is if I wanted to watch Alex Smith be the best quarterback in the NFL, I could do so in 45 minutes, even though the game was three hours long. Yeah, it was about 45 minutes. That's what I saw today. So like we said, if it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. Best of all, you can kick off the 2017 NFL season with a free NFL Game Pass trial. Sign up now at NFL.com slash The Ringer. That's NFL.com slash The Ringer. So throughout this season, we'll be welcoming in various Ringer staff members who are huge NFL fans. And today, the inaugural voyage, Ringer MLB show host, Michael Bauman. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to to dispense my immense football knowledge on the two of you. So you wrote an interesting section of the Ringer NFL preview that came out today about the Houston Texans. You live in Houston. So Michael, preach to us about the church of Deshaun Watson. 
Well, my attachment to Deshaun Watson stretches back to uh, his college days where uh, so I went to the University of South Carolina. I'm a big Gamecock football fan. And after several years of of USC destroying Clemson, all of a sudden this dude comes in and just ruins my life. And I'm so happy he's in the NFL now because I'm like I'm so sick of him dropping 400 passing yards, 120 rushing yards, you know, dropping bombs to Mike Williams. It's uh, it's a, a chapter of my life that I'm very happy to to pass on to to the AFC South. So I don't you know, the other thing is the Texans, I mean, I was just doing a little bit of of uh, play indexing before before I came on and like the Texans have made the the playoffs four times in the past six years. They won a game three of those four years and like TJ Yates started and won a playoff game for them. Like we're so desperate for, for a quarterback down here that when Brock Osweiler showed up and like everybody and everybody knew this was a bad idea, except he showed up and JJ Watt got hurt and the city went nuts for him. Like before he threw a pass, he's doing local TV commercials. He's it's yep. like he's given uh, press conferences like he's running for Congress and it could not have been worse. So I think Deshaun Watson <laughs> represents, you know, whenever he takes over the a starting job, if he's mediocre, he might be the best quarterback in, in franchise history. And this, you know, with Watt and Clowney and Whitney Merciless and this incredible defense, and they've got some interesting weapons. Like, this is a, a team that could easily contend for the Super Bowl with just a mediocre quarterback. Before we get to the quarterback talk specifically, Michael, did you just make the phrase play index into a verb? Yeah. Yes, oh, it's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, I'll answer that for him. He absolutely guy. did. It was great. <laughs> We do it a lot in baseball. Robert, we had the discussion, I think, on our first preseason show about the first quarterback who needs to be benched. Yep. And you said it was gonna it should be Tom Savage. When do you think that's gonna happen? So I was on the Deshaun Watson train early. I mean, just based on a lot of stuff you said, Michael. The defense will be great. It will be really, really good. And this team has a chance to be really good. So you wanna just try to thrust the best quarterback in there as soon as you can to get the most out of that. My concern now is that I've kind of stepped back a little bit because I watched the Sean Watson play in the preseason. <laughs> it did not go well. He doesn't look like he's ready. And I feel like that's the reason that Tom Savage stays in the game. Because even if Savage is bad, even if he's awful and the offense can't get anything going, the worst thing that could happen is that Bill O'Brien, who's a little scared that maybe his job is on the line. It's been a few years now. That offense doesn't get better. There's going to be some chirping. If he throws Watson in there and Watson is bad and you start to develop bad habits, you start to just be scared, not understand yourself, not understand who you're supposed to be within the offense. That is the worst outcome. That's the one thing they can't do based on the move they made to go up and get him. When you trade future picks for a guy, you can't let him just fall apart. It's what happened with Jared Goff last year. They can't be impatient. And that's why I would hope that they do what's in Deshaun Watson's best interest and not necessarily in what's in the best interest of everyone watching the Texans. And I think I think there's something to that. And yeah, I don't necessarily as eager as I am to see Watson get into games, I don't necessarily disagree with taking him slow, you know, taking him slow. I will say there's an important difference between Watson and Goff, and that's that Watson isn't a broomstick with a with a blonde wig on. You know, he's got some actual how football skills for for lack of a better word <laughs> that so, is and, fair and it, i i wonder i actually wonder how much they risk by starting savage cuz like this this is a team that like i said has been pretty successful over the past few years and the the second highest uh, passer rating in franchise history belongs to Brian Hoyer so like there's a limit to how much worse tom savage can be than what they've been doing before so you know if they I don't know when their bye week is, but you know, if you get Tom Savage halfway through the season, you're not out of the race, and maybe you bring Watson along slowly. And like, he's not. I I wonder a little bit about his ability to stand up to punishment because he's not a huge guy. I mean, that's you know, there's a reason you didn't go number one overall. But like, the expectations are high because they invested in a quarterback. But also, like, he doesn't have to be very good in order to. He's not going to take a huge public beating, I think, if he's not if he doesn't show up and, and turn into Dak Prescott week one. That's fair. Week seven is their bye, by the way, which kind of would be the perfect time to do it. 
I was going to say um, they have multiple bye weeks because they have Scott Tolzien and Bortles in the division. So they have like <laughs> three bye weeks. So week one, which is this week. <laughs> yep. So week yeah. one, by, the rare week one bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, we see with three teams this year, this year now with the Dolphins and the Bucks. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I talked to Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith in the preseason about Deshaun Watson. And one of the things they said, we've talked so much about the spread to pro transition as far as the offensives go. And they say Deshaun Watson, Clemson put a lot on his plate to the point they feel comfortable throwing a lot at him and that he'll be able to play as a rookie. Now, the question is just, there's two ways to look at it. Number one, Bill O'Brien is still allegedly a quarterback guru. So I do think that he'll be able to get enough out of Tom Savage for him to at least be competent over the course of the season. Having said that, Bill O'Brien has the quickest trigger of any coach in the NFL. I mean, he's ready to bench guys. I mean, he may be, he may bench Watson after three plays. I mean, I I don't, I don't know what to expect from Bill O'Brien because he's just been so, you know, if it was Bill Belichick, we'd call it flexible, but he's just been so eager to bench guys that, that I think that um, he could go to Watson and then go back to Savage. And so that's, what's just interesting to me about, about the Texans. That I hate. That's like the yeah. worst thing I could imagine is putting your first round rookie quarterback in and then yanking him because he has a short leash. That's that's terrible. I would hate that so much, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's amazing because I, Michael Bauman has watched a lot of Houston Texans football, and I bet he thinks that's not the worst possible thing because the worst <laughs> thing you could imagine with the Houston Texans quarterbacks is uh, is for significantly worse than that. Yeah, he's yeah, the, now I, the best quarterback for the Broncos. That's the worst thing you can imagine. Yeah, exactly. All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone listen to the Ringer MLB show. It's heating up. Michael, what's the most interesting thing in baseball right now? The Dodgers are suddenly really bad. Uh, I watched their last couple uh, games. They were on like 110 win pace and they've lost, I think, 12 out of 13. And their local TV announcers are like the way I put it last night was they sound like guys who who uh, incorrectly predicted the rapture and they're sort of going through their yeah. issues live on air right now. So that's a lot of fun right now. So I, I'd say watch the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Cleveland's on a, a 15 game winning streak. So they're, we've got both extremes in, in terms of teams that are going to make the playoffs. Big cup series, Bauman five games up. They, oh, they beat God. up on Milwaukee this week. It's over. It's been over for, that, for months. Sh- I, don't say, don't say that to me. I, I ran into one that of those Cubs fans. I ran into one of those Cubs fans last week and you know, he was he was saying, Oh, I'm not happy with this season, you know. I'm like, You guys are in first place. Imagine being up in, in the division in September. You know, go back three years and say that to yourself. Up five with twenty seven right, left. I'm good to go. Guys, I feel very good. You guys you guys turned into Red Sox fans so quickly. It's <laughs> I, that's the meanest <laughs> thing you could say to me. You must leave the podcast now. <laughs> All right, I'm out. Hey, um, no, so so that rapture comment about about the Dodgers announcers is also a good way to describe Mays and I talking about the Chiefs at the start of this show. Yep, we're just trying <laughs> just trying to sort of walk around the fact that we said they'd be terrible and they just destroyed the terrible Patriots. Terrible is overstating it. I said they'd be thirteenth, and I'm still not walking that far back from that. Eric Berry's out for the season. Let's take it easy. It's one game. Yeah. Oh well. You should never have questioned the fact that that Andy Reid is the the John the Baptist of the NFL. <laughs> No, it's, exactly. all, it's on us. That's right. We misstepped. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Okay. The last thing we want to get to on the Friday show is we're going to start talking about next week's biggest headlines. So we're going to say, okay, the headline on Monday, the headline on Tuesday, what's it going to be? Robert, go ahead. What's your headline on Monday or Tuesday? So I feel like it, this kind of ties into what happened with the Patriots last night, but they're too good for this to happen. It feels like every year we have a team that Maybe he was going to bounce back. Maybe he was going to take a slide. And then they lose in week one and we completely overstate it. The two teams I'm thinking about right now, just in this hypothetical, are like Carolina and Atlanta. Let's say the Niners come out. Offense looks good. Shanahan running it. The defense, the pieces kind of come together. Cam's not all the way back. They have a rough outing. Maybe McCaffrey doesn't do so great with that offensive line against the Niners defensive line that's pretty decent. And people just lose their minds. Oh man, the Panthers aren't, they, they, we're, let's write off the Panthers. They're, they've fallen off. This experiment was terrible. It just feels like one of those is going to happen and that they seem like a prime candidate for it. I don't know if they're necessarily the one, but I definitely think there's going to be one team that some lesser opponent jumps on them. We write them off. And then in week eight, they're six and two. 
Yeah. So this is going to be my headline because it's still going to dominate the news cycle. The overreaction headline next week is going to be, is this the end of the Patriots dynasty? Yeah. We've I mean, already, we not only, I mean, <laughs> we've done this before many times Chiefs? and we've, we've literally done it with the same team. It's ridiculous. And so I think there's in general, there's going to be the, Oh, is, is it time to go to Garoppolo? Is it time? You know, do they need, I saw this morning, they need to make a trade to, to help out the pass rush. Has anyone figured it out more often and with more consistency than Bill Belichick? I mean, it's cr- give it time. I mean, you know, it, it was interesting to me. He, Belichick was asked uh, on Friday morning about the depth at wide receiver. And he said, I think the bigger issue is they, they didn't do a good job. Right. And so like, I don't know, I, I maybe he sees this as a personnel problem. Um, but I think overall it's just, he's got new guys. It's going to, you know, it takes time to mesh. No one knows better than Bill Belichick, basically Belichick and Carol. They're the ones who know that you need to peak in December, January, and February. That's what you're building your team towards. And that's why the Seahawks, you know, how, how often have we seen the Seahawks go four and four in the, in the first two months? We're like, oh, and then all of a sudden, you know, th- that was the first three years of their dynasty. And so for me, not their, di- their, their NFC dynasty, at least. Um, and so for, for me, I just think we're going to have to have a lot of patience, but I think the, the takes are going to be scorching uh, all weekend. The Patriots scored 27 points. Gronk had a touchdown call back that they get, they didn't turn the ball over on downs on the same possession. And then they turned the ball over on downs later in the game. This is not an offense that was a mess yesterday against a defense. It's pretty dang good. So I'm feeling just fine about the Patriots. I totally agree with you. I, I think part of it, I, you know, Belichick loves to game plan and, and take away what, what a team does best. Now, and, and if you heard, uh, Rodney Harrison for the game it was clear that they thought that maybe it was going to be tie Hill short passes. You know, they were going to make Alex Smith beat them with a deep ball and he did. And I just don't think that's, I just kind of think that's a miracle on their, on their part. And so I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't look too deeply at the Patriots defense at this point. I mean, if, if it becomes a pattern, that's when you start to, to worry. But I, I, I'm not as worried as, as the takes are going to be next week. All right. What's your next headline, Robert? Every year we have the guy who becomes the superstar in week one. You know, it's often a quarterback. Remember, RG3 had that monster game against the Saints. Mariota threw all those touchdowns against Tampa Bay. I mean, there's a rookie that comes out and is just lights the world on fire every single year. Whether it sustains is an entirely different question, but it just feels like with all the options this year, we're going to have one of those in 2017. Whether it's Dalvin Cook tearing apart the Saints, whether McCaffrey does actually have a big game against San Francisco, maybe Kaiser plays well, better than we think he might against that Steelers secondary. One of those guys is going to have that game where we stand up and take notice, and we might just say it's Kareem Hunt. I mean, if this was Sunday, that's what we'd be talking about on Monday. So with this set of rookie skill position players, it's almost a guarantee we'll have at least one more of those this week. It's interesting to me. I look at week one in the same way I look at it in college football. And how often have we seen, you know, Texas plays Notre Dame and one team wins. Then we think that, you know, the the team that won is back. Right. Or I remember I went to when I was a student in Miami, I went to Florida State Miami game. And Miami beat them in an incredible game 2009. It was in Tallahassee. I was there. Christian Ponder, incomplete pass on fourth down, which, by the way, you know, shape of things to come with Christian Ponder. But, um, you know, we we draw the conclusions because it's all we have to go on. Right. And so I think this weekend there are so many intriguing quarterback matchups. We talked about Mariota versus Carr, Wentz versus Cousins. Someone is going to have a breakout performance from the quarterback perspective, and we're going to crown them probably prematurely. I think that I could see Mariota winning on Sunday. And and even though I love Mariota, and I think that one day, one day, Marcus Mariota is going to win an MVP award in the NFL. I, I think that we're probably if, if they win, you know, 30 to 20 on Sunday against a weird Raiders team that's not all the way healthy and, and, and still figuring things out on defense. I think we could prematurely crown a quarterback. It's it's a long season in the same way we've prematurely crowned the Chiefs. I see a I see a quarterback sort of um, getting the hype machine going almost, you know, in, in a way like Wentz did last year in the first four weeks of the year. We basically did an emergency Wentz pod and said he was like the best quarterback in the NFL. That's a great I think something's example. Gonna happen this week. Yep, that's a great that's example. Hey, that's it, perfect. Robert, it, it might be Carson Wentz again. Yeah, who knows? I mean, with the, <laughs> there's so many changes. We've talked about all the, the things we're going to be looking for with turnover, right? There's so many things that have gone back and forth, new coordinators, new talent. There are just a ton of guys on the board 
that could be better or different than we think they might be. And I think that's the beauty of yeah. week one. That's the thing I'm always excited about. That's it for today. We'll be back on Tuesday with our reactions to all the action on week one. As always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, Robert, in case you forgot, you can rewatch every throw, every catch, every fourth and inches of every Bears game or Chiefs Patriots with NFL Game Pass. I'm glad you think that they're going to be to fourth and inches. That's be really a lot better than I would consider. Whatever. Fourth, excuse me. Fourth and 14. There you go. That's much better. I love punts. Whatever you want to watch, whatever your favorite game is, NFL Game Pass has got it. Get game replays, condensed games, the all 22 coaches film and more. If it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. So kick off the 2017 NFL season with a free NFL Game Pass trial. Sign up now at NFL.com slash The Ringer.